I am uh, Gregory Carver, so obviously I'm your lecturer today, presenting on growing communities, kind of community engagement and non-community engagement. So what we're going to be looking at is, well, let's first back up. Okay, so what is urban forestry? Obviously that's a big part of what um, this presentation is about but I want to ask you, what is urban forestry? There's a lot of people around here my, that were in classes that I taught. Yeah. All of y'all landscape ecologists, correct? Yeah. So what is urban forestry? Trees in the city. What do you say? Trees in the city. Trees in the city. Yes, trees in the city. So it's really the management of trees in urban areas, forest spaces. So what, what, why, is, why are trees important? Anyone? Why are trees important? Oxygen. Oxygen, yes. You know. They provide tons of services, like ecosystem services. Such as? Habitat. Habitat, yes. Microclimate. Shade. Yes. People. Yes. Biodiversity. Biodiversity. Someone over here was going to say something? Oh, I remember. <laughs> I just recognized your face. <laughs> Stormwater management? Stormwater management, yes. Okay, so um, obviously this presentation is going to be a lot of me talking, but I'm also going to be trying to elicit information from each one of you from the class. So that's how it's going to really go. Um, I'm going to present on something and then I'm going to ask you questions. Um, so, yes, um, urban forestry, variety of ecosystem services, air quality, water quality, habitat, all kind of things. So that's just a background. That's just a backdrop to understand urban forestry. Why urban forestry is important. Why we do urban forestry, right? Why people study urban forestry. Um, why people actually plant trees. So as that is very important, I want to just so just put that in the backdrop of your head, being aware of that. But we're not going to talk about that in this lecture. I want you to know about, be, bring that to the surface, so we're aware of that. But what I'm going to talk about is actually the community engagement portion of planting trees, caring for trees in urban areas. I'm going to look at, I, I study, I received my PhD in geography, Nature and Society Geography. So I look at the emergence and the interplay between humans and trees in urban areas. Plants really, but now my specialty is pretty much urban forestry. So that's what we're going to look at today. I'm going to look at the social issues related to tree planting. Um, political issues, economic issues, cultural issues, things like that. And my research pretty much focused on Oakland. So, so okay, the outline of presentation, obviously, there's an introduction, background of my research. Then I'm going to go into research methods and orientation. Don't worry, I'm not going to get too deep into methodology nor am I going to get too deep into theory, but I am going to mention some of those things because they obviously have an important, they play um, an important role in how this information even gets to be here. So I have to mention it a little bit. And then I'm going to go into history, um, political, political ecological history of West Oakland, the area of my research. Anyone from Oakland around here? What part of Oakland? San Andrew, okay, right on. Where else? East Oakland. Oh, East Oakland, nice, okay. Right on. Very good. Other people from the Bay Area around here? Okay, very good. 
Okay, so then I'm going to get into community engagement. I'm going to look at two different projects. One is something that went on in the 1970s and 80s, and contemporary project that started in the 90s and still is going on. And then we'll kind of follow up. So, so I want you to think about a, key, a few key terms when we're thinking, when we're look, doing this, while this presentation is going, I want you to think about a few things. Obviously, I want you to think about sustainability. Um, something else I want you to think about is, yeah, sustainability. Um, obviously, community engagement. And I want to think about um, lag and legacy. We'll get into what lag and legacy is later, but just think about that. Have anybody any cute clues as to what lag and legacy is? <coughs> Go ahead. Legacy is basically the story you leave behind. And lag is that story continues after you go. Yes, okay. And so trees have quite a lag and legacy. I mean, most of the trees around me at UC Davis are twice as old as anyone in the room. Um, so they live a long time, so they have quite a legacy. So, but we don't know who planted those trees. We don't know anybody, anything about those people who actually cared for those trees, but we're receiving the benefit of them. So that's something to think about in light of legacy. So, my background. So, this is um, a, 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 a snapshot of Urban Relief. I became engaged in Urban Relief. And I started here as a grad student in 2005. When, yeah, 2005, 2006. 2006 is when I actually in, interacted with Urban Relief through a project I was working on with the Forest Service. And it was a, it was a collaboration between UC Davis and the Forest Service. And I was um, on fellowship with the Forest Service, so I started interacting with Urban Relief and going to Oakland to do research on trees and things like that. So that's how the pro program, that's how my project began. I didn't really get into my dissertation research until, you know, probably 2007, 2008, but I started working with them in 2006. And I stopped working with them at, as a research capacity in 2012. So it's about six years of me inter engaging with Urban Relief and the Oakland community. They do tree planting work in Oakland, so I was interacting with Oakland. While I was in Davis, I interacted you know, on weekends and go to a meeting and come back, but then I moved to Oakland um, you know, six, seven, eight years ago and community itself. So that's where my interaction with Oakland folks and really getting a taste of what Oakland was all about when I moved there. So it's a quick... Um, this is the one right here. Thanks. Okay, so yeah, so this is a picture of open, just cut out obviously. You see the A right there, cool. And my research methodology was participatory action research. That's what most things were based on. So my interest was so I engaged, I worked with Urban Relief in a participatory way. I was a graduate student, but I was working for them. But I wanted the research to be very cooperative. I wanted the research not me to be some kind of menacing, overarching researcher. I wanted it to be a, um, on par and somewhat egalitarian. And I wanted um, some type of social benefit to happen, occur doing, through the research that I was doing. So participatory action research is the framework I use in my in all of my work, and definitely at the work here at Urban Relief and Open. And obviously I had other methods, key informant interviews and things like that. And 
know, tremendous amount of archival research. So this is my dissertation title. Uh, it's along with Urban Forestry in the Streets, Intersection of Agency, the Black Forest, and Human Consciousness in Oakland, California. So those are three research, three of my, my three questions that I asked through my research. We are, in this presentation, we're going to focus on the first one. Um, how have historical, social, political, and economic trends affected environmental conditions in urban forestry in current-day West Oakland? That's a whole bunch, but we'll get into that. And second is this data that we're talking about here um, also comes from research question number two. How has urban forest organizational agency shaped through social and political engagement and greening stewardship and research activities? So we're going to get into that a little bit, but we definitely focus more on the first one. And the third one, we're not going to really get into in this, this presentation. So, socioeconomic and environmental conditions of Oakland. So that's just, so what current contemporary Oakland? So obviously when, I go, when you go into a community and you do research, you first have to understand what, what you're dealing with, what's going on there in and of itself. As a geographer, I'm looking at these things. And since, let me see, since my, um, first, my research question was social, political, and economic trends, I wanted to know what was going on with Open, what's going, what, what's going on with Open. And many people have, understand, have ideas about Open. Oakland has always been this kind of, you know, like, ooh, this dangerous place. And West Oakland is probably the capital of this, ooh, dangerous place of Oakland. So when I started research in 2006, this is some of the um, issues that were, came to surface, came to light. Uh, the West Oakland, people, residents of West Oakland, suffer from higher than the county, way above average rates for county and state um, child asthma rates. So the amount, of the amount of children and the rate to which children go to the, are hospitalized for asthma is far, far, far greater than that which is the rest of the county of Alameda, the city of Oakland, and the state. So it's one of the highest. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing to think about is very few job opportunities uh, for youth and young adults. There's a lot of violence in, uh, in West Oakland. And at the time, it was the population was probably somewhere around just under 40% African American, and but then there's also Asian populations, white populations, Caucasian, Hispanic, Latino, Chicano, and the average um, income was less than $22,000. The average income. So, and then also then we go to it was there weren't many trees. We'll get into gentrification later. So, so when you're looking at my research question, you see that huge long sentence, how have, how have the historical, social, political, and economic trends affected environmental conditions in urban forestry in current day West Oakland? The really way to think about that in a simple way is, why is West Oakland in the current environmental shape it is? Why, why are there no trees? Why is there, are there asthma rates at this rate? What, what's, what's going on with that? And another way to just really look at that is from a geographical perspective, from looking at nature and society interactions, um, what relationship did West Oakland residents have with trees in the past? Since there aren't many trees, were there always no trees in West Oakland? Why, I mean, oak land, it's not named for oaks, so why are, were there ever trees? Why are there not trees now? 
And okay, so then you go into my the theory, kind of that, you know, how my theoretical theory is what we're based on this presentation is urban political economy, urban political ecology. That basically, anyone, anyone ever take a urban political this um, a political ecology class here from Ryan Ryan Galt perhaps or anyone else? Sure, okay. And I look at race and racialization, urban forest ecosystem service, and sustainability, again, say that word sustainability, and then environmental justice. That's also something that is um, prominent and that kind of weaves through this research. And that will come up. So, so, so I want to know what, did, what happened in Oakland's history. What happened particularly in West Oakland's history? So obviously I need to look into history. And so when I'm looking at political, so I, my background in research is political ecology. I can go into that a little bit more. So political ecology is really a molding of political economy and cultural ecology. So basically political economy, we live in a capitalist country, so we're looking at how politics affects the economy, how the dominant political system, political economic system affects how people manage land, how people manage trees, how people are actually managing natural resources. So that's what political ecology is, is looking at how the capitalist system that we live in, how the politics and economy affects what actually day-to-day -day people, how they are affected the living on the land, how they're in this, looking at trees. One theory of political ecology, the political economy, is that um, their capitalism creates um, uneven development. That's one theory. It creates uneven development. There may be, for, for instance, maybe a lot of development in one part of Davis, for instance. One part of Davis may get a tremendous amount of uh, um, focus on monies for development, for shops, for greening, things like that, whereas another part of Davis may not get that at all. But that isn't, but as political um, economy understands, it's based on time, and it's based on a lot of different factors. But I can't look only at political ecology because, as you see in the, in, in the work, um, economy, political economy is very important, but also race and racialization. Um, is very important and plays play a role in this research. And obviously racialization is the kind of, um, how can I make this really simple? It's, it's racialization is um, the dividing or organizing things to a collective way. Okay, so ethnicities are being affected based on phenotype, based on a tribute. So there's collective experiences based on the race, the race someone may exhibit, right? So there's, so racialization is a process by which these groups of people are receiving similar treatment based on their physical attributes, to make it really simple. Okay, so, oh, on West Oakland, pre, okay, let me be on time because I can really get into the history and stay, stay too long on history, I don't want to bore you with too much history. Okay. So we'll try to skip through this really quickly. Okay, um, Oakland, you see where Oakland is in relation to uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Pre-World War II, um, 1930s and earlier, 
that's what I'm looking at now. I looked at all of types of history, but obviously I'm just pulling certain segments and I'm showing you um, the major things, major trends that I think are effect, have pertinence to the research and what we're talking about today. Pre-World War II, West, o West Oakland, um, the central part, West Oakland is part of the central city, so a lot of people during the 30s migrated and immigrated to Oakland and to specifically West Oakland. Work o West Oakland was a very blue-collar, very worker-oriented society <laughs> community. Um, during the 30s, there were African Americans and Latino Americans and, and um, Asians, but dominant, it was dominant, dominant demographic was um, Eastern European. Um, mo most of West Oakland was Eastern European immigrants that came there for the shipyards to work during World War I and then through the uh, continued industry. Um, doing well, so Oakland in World War II, um, something started happening. The people, you know, it was a political economy where focus, people were very focused on channeling monies to industry for warm effort, for um, development and beautification and of central cities. Um, all of this area right here really was kind of rural. All around here was a very rural area. It wasn't very developed. Um, a lot of plants. So. Um, during World War II, pe people continued to come in because there were loads of jobs. What started happening was African Americans started coming on in the south, from the South, the Great Migration, coming in from the South, trying to get the jobs um, in the factories and things like that, store shops. And so many people were moving into Oakland. Still, there were Eastern Europeans, but it was dominated by African Americans moving to this area, even though there's still um, strong um, Eastern European roots. So, but then people started moving out because they started getting packed, and Eastern European folks started moving out of the area, right? Um, to more other areas within Oakland, and, oops, let me go back to this. So, I missed one very important point. So, as people, since we're talking about plants and trees, since people were moving into these areas and there was a political um, economy was focused on developing central cities, including West Oakland, also monies were targeted for greening, for planting trees, for caring for trees, not just through the municipality, but also they were hiring people um, unemployed because remember the 30s, Great Depression, they were hiring unemployed, predominantly men, to, um, to plant trees and care for them. So not only was the development influx of Eastern Europeans in the 30s, there also was a preponderance of greening projects um, orchestrated by the municipality. And so during war, so World War II, there was a standstill with the planting of trees. There was a standstill because everyone's gone. Everyone's fighting a war in factories and things like that. Um, and still um, Eastern Europeans moving out of West Oakland. Um, after World War II, 1945 to 50s, um, what happened after World War II in, re in regard to landscape change and um, suburbanization? Yes, suburbanization, thank you. That's right. So, suburbanization after that, there was a tremendous the political economy shifted. Instead of focusing the federal and state governments and banks and all those things that's going through that process, Instead of focusing on central urban central areas for development, 
they now started focusing all the monies into um, suburbanization. So all these previous areas that were forested and farms and, and things like that started being developed for houses, for single family houses. So most of the folks, so people were moving out of the central city, but most of the people that were moving out of the central city were the um, in central city of um, Oakland, including West Oakland, downtown Oakland, were Eastern European Americans. They were able to access the monies that were coming through the federal government and banks to buy houses and, um, in, in a lot of these areas here. Um, whereas many <laughs> folks, African Americans, Latinos and Chicanos, Asians, weren't able to access that money. And since, I'm, since West Oakland is very focused, very prominent of African Americans are still coming in, even post-World War II, African Americans are still coming into West Oakland. They can't move into other areas. They basically only can stay in West Oakland. And then as time progresses, as time progresses, um, African Americans are able to move. This is West Oakland here. African Americans are able to move more to North Oakland and starting to move to East Oakland after buying houses that were previously occupied by predominantly Eastern Europeans or other um, ethnicities, ethnic groups. But people are still moving out of West Oakland post-World War. Eastern Europeans are still where it's working out. But again, some of the um, social issues, racial issues were going on was obviously white flight, economic disinvestment monies were going targeting the suburban areas, redlining, meaning that um, economic investment in central cities couldn't happen. Banks just wouldn't give money to areas that were redlined. Areas that were redlined were um, ethnic minority areas, particularly African Americans, so monies weren't going there. Um, so, and continue, but people are still coming. So that's what, sh that's post-World War II was going on in West Oakland. Um, something else that's also going on, um, trees in, particularly in, um, particularly in West Oakland, um, and particularly in we um, Western, Western, the Western United States, California, um, trees grow on their own, obviously, but when it's hyper-development like this, it's hard for trees to develop, hard for trees to establish themselves. So it's, they're dependent on humans to establish trees. So obviously, if trees if require labor and you have to pay for trees, then trees are going to follow the money. Um, so there was no money here. So there wasn't any much greening going on in West Oakland at the time um, at the time of post World War II. All that money was being channeled to suburban areas. So um, suburban areas were being greened. Um, and stewarded, maintained the green by the municipality. But also what's going on in West Oakland at the same time is while the suburbanization, um, houses are, there's redevelopment going in West Oakland because it's an older area. I mean, it needed to be changes. I mean, there's a lot of areas that didn't have sewers, the narrow streets, so they have to extend, extend um, make the streets wider, have to create sewers, so in extending the street, then if there are street trees, then they're getting taken down. And they are, maybe they've been replanted, they weren't getting replanted here. Um, um, other things that went on, this area of West Oakland um, became boxed in during the 50s. All of this interstate, you see by I-80, 980, I-80, all happened during the 50s and the early 60s. So all of that was happening. So West Oakland, as people moving out and the area that's being concentrated, um, African-American, also uh, is that population being boxed in by highways. Also, the Port of Oakland 
also was redeveloped and obviously a port of Oakland, a lot of ships coming in, a lot of diesel trucks, things like that, so um, more <coughs> emissions and other things going on. So uh, as trees are not being cared for and taken care of, also there's more greater need for trees because of the, the increase in the um, exhaust and things like that, but it really wasn't happening. And so that's when I, I would go into that right there. So people, so municipality was both, so even though people were moving outside of West Oakland and they were going into um, East Oakland and the Hill part of Oakland and things like that, people were also going to San Leandro, going into Berkeley, going into further into the hills, creating other areas in South, um, um, South Bay, um, more areas in the North Bay, you know, Marin, and all of those places, but within Oakland, the municipality was focused on the suburban areas of East Oakland, the Oakland Hills, stuff like that. So municipal monies were being channeled there. And so they weren't caring for the trees and the parks within Oakland was like second tier compared to um, the new areas, the, the areas of recreation and leisure for the new suburban areas. So anyway, um, trees that were here, people, they weren't being cared for. and so. They started dying, people were cutting off trees, they got sick of them, and doing the redevelopment when streets were being widened and highways being created, a lot of the trees that were in some of these areas on West Oakland that were remnant from their 1930s greening projects um, actually moved, were transported to another, other parts of Oakland, um, transported to suburban areas because, you know, they were huge, valuable palm trees, so they're gonna move them to an area where it's valuable land because West Oakland is undervalued now um, economically and obviously socially. Okay, so after World War II, so World War II happens, and after World War II, there's a lot of master planting, plantings going on. So there's planting in sort of suburban areas, but they had a plan for this. All this stuff is in documents. You know, what was the plan? What, what, what are the documents that show what planting is, plantings are going on? Um, one of the most profound documents I found was Master Tree Planting Plan in 1958. Uh, I looked up this research, I tried to find all kinds of information, and this was the most, um, I would try to find a lot of information related to this plan, and I, I didn't find much except little documents related to park creation in eastern areas, no talking about West Oakland at all. And what's interesting about that is, if you know Oakland, you know this map, all of this area, that every area had a different tree species that the Oakland Park Ranger, the superintendent, um, wanted to focus on because he wanted to beautify the city and wanted it to be like this world-renowned city for greening. Um, I'm not going to go into the end right now. <laughs> no, but he was a good dude. I mean, I, I mean, even though they were doing this stuff and, and focused on suburban areas, this guy was world-renowned. Um, um, William Penn Mott. I mean, he he actually ended up becoming the. He took a long trajectory. He did a lot of different things, but he ended up being the um, um, U.S. National Parks under Reagan. When Reagan became president, he took um, William Penn Mott, who was from Oakland. Did, started his work in Oakland, took him to, I mean, he took many steps, but took him to um, Washington, D.C., because he was so good at creating parks, and he was so visionary, and so a, a really good landscape architect. But anyway, 
So, but also something to think about is like Broadway, okay? So this is Broadway, downtown Oakland. This is, um, this is downtown Oakland area here. This is West Oakland. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? This part here is all West Oakland. It's not even included on the map for where they're going to plant trees. It's, it's not included. I mean, other areas are obviously included, the hills, East Oakland, um, other parts, but not West Oakland. So West Oakland was, you know, really in so many ways kind of forgotten about in, in regard to greening. Anybody have any questions on that? Let's throw all that information out. Any questions about how those things happen to where we see current day West Oakland? High asthma rates, Port of Oakland development, highway trip construction, uh, um, very few trees. That's why there aren't many trees now. Go ahead. How did the people who lived there at the time like speak about it, feel about it? Very good. I'm glad you brought that up. So. People were, I mean, West Oaklanders, I mean, they, they were not happy about it. It was not just West Oaklanders, it was North Oaklanders, and I wanted to get into that. I'm glad you brought it up, otherwise I would have had to bring it up. So, people weren't taking that laying down. I mean, West Oakland residents, there were factory workers, African American doctors, um, dentists, business owners, um, you know, variety of economic class structure within West and North Oakland. Um, and West Oakland's particular to the research. So if they weren't taking it laying down, they were very, became very organized, very politicized, and were fighting against a lot of these redevelopment projects and a lot of the greening projects that were excluding their community, um, that were you know, boxing in through the highway construction. So West Oaklanders organized. And many battles through those you know, 20, 30 years, many battles organized West Oakland residents um, won against the redevelopment agencies. They won where many houses weren't demolished that were in the plans to be demolished by you know, these folks that were far removed from there. And then some, pro some projects, some redevelopment projects went through no matter what they did. Um, in regard to like the highway construction, the, the city council voted that in to take no opinion from, community, from the community at all. Community was completely excluded from this process. But people were organizing tremendously to fight against a lot of this that was going on. So become, open, West Oakland community became highly politicized, very organized and activist. Go ahead, son. Um, how Go ahead. did BART coming in affect that? Like, was there... Uh, well, BART, BART, yeah, BART is, there's books written just about the fight of West Oaklanders and, and Oaklanders and folks fighting against BART. Um, people didn't really necessarily have a problem with BART, Sometimes they have problems with BART, but they, the rhetoric was so strong about bringing economic development, it was so strong, but um, West Oaklanders, the main thing they wanted to do is they wanted to be hired to do the work. That was the main contention, was you're building something in our, through our community, not even really asking our opinion on it, but then you're not hiring us to do the work. So most of the, so most of the folks here, predominantly, you know, um, Latinos, um, Chicanos, and African American, dominated by African American, fighting organizing, trying to stop this. And there are um, also Asian populations, but there weren't as many in West Oakland. There are more in Chinatown and other areas, East Oakland, and things like that. Um, but anyway, people were organized, so West Oaklanders weren't taking the land down. And they fought against BART. They lost. Um, and even worse, they, one of the things they had a problem with BART is that BART during the time, was, I think it cost like fifteen or $25,000 to put it underground. And the city of Oakland didn't have the money to do that, so it was above ground. You know, in Berkeley, it's underground, Oakland's above ground. So there was a lot of problems in regard to that. 
Anything else? Okay, now we're going to switch gears. So now we have a background in understanding West Oakland, the politicization of a group of people, the racialization of community, the um, reduction of tree canopy based on political ecology, and, and all of the different things that went on. So now we're going to talk about community engagement. So now, again, coming into the future, um, we're looking at um, bottom-up versus top-down. So a lot of these redevelopment projects, a lot of these municipal, municipal greening projects organized by um, an office by folks, and communities weren't involved. So that's what I'm going to pose against looking at community engagement versus non-community engagement um, in this section. And the first project we're going to look at is 1970s, 1980s, the Open Model Cities Program versus the Black Forest. So, and, and, so I'm not opposing these, I'm just showing the difference in them. Um, open Model Cities happening in the early 1970s, whereas the Black Forest happened in the late 90s, so they weren't, they didn't occur at the same time. Um, but it just shows you the difference in how things um, occur based on engagement. Excuse me. So, Open Model Cities was a federal program, um, Linda Mead Johnson, to kind of poverty alleviation. Oakland became one of, applied, became one of those cities, and West Oakland became the capital of the Model Cities Project. Um, the Model Cities Project was focused on, obviously, job creation, poverty alleviation, environmental quality, increasing environmental quality. Um, still, some of these roads aren't, haven't been widened. There are sewers in some places. Um, and there's blighted areas. Houses that have been abused or neglected or um, with no tenants, things like that. So all of those different things are going on. That's what the money is being channeled for West Oakland. But like I said again, the West Oakland residents were highly politicized by this time. The federal monies that were coming in. So what ended up happening is, so West Oakland residents fought against the city of Oakland for the money. So West Oakland residents wanted the money to be organized and directed by West Oakland organized groups. The city didn't want that, obviously. They wanted the money to go to the city, and then the city to delegate the money to go into West Oakland projects like they wanted it, like the um, like um, political officials, municipal managers, stuff like that. So there's a lot. So already there's a battle going on between community and municipality and government, state, stuff like that. It's, this, is a, this is a common theme in West Oakland. This is a very common theme in Oakland, in many other cities. So there's contention. I'm not going to go into all of the other projects, so I'm just going to talk real quickly about um, trees planted. So trees, or community, the Model Cities Program organized a meeting to plant trees did not involve the community in one bit. Did not involve them but planted 2,000 trees from a group that was from Walnut Creek. So they pulled in the group from Walnut Creek to plant trees in the city of Oakland. Um, and so basically people woke up overnight and then there are trees in front of their house. You know, it's kind of like, what? And it was not, there was no community engagement, none. So what do you think happened? And then they expected the residents to take care of the trees. Yeah, oh yeah. It was the residents' responsibility. Oh yeah, yeah, that's another thing. 
Um, so what happened? The Oakland residents, pretty much over, what do you say? Yeah, vandalized the trees, removed all the trees. There are probably all those 2,000 trees that were planted, probably not, you know, more than 10 of them remain, you know, um, a few years later. Very few. So they removed the trees. People said, no, you're not just going to do what you want to our community and not involve us, so we're not going to have these trees. So it was such a fe monumental failure um, by the city that after that, after that happened, the city created a new policy to where they, the city had to get approval from homeowners to plant trees in front of the house prior to planting them. So they needed approval from the homeowner to plant trees before they didn't need that. But because of their rebellion of West Oakland residents, the policy shifted. So, yeah, so that's what happened there. What year did that go under effect? All right, that's when, when did that go under effect? That went on right after, so that was like, so Mall Cities ended in 74, so like around 73, 74, so that policy shifted. Five minutes, okay. Whew. Okay, black, birth of black forest. Okay, so this is um, birth of the black forest. We're going to do that. So, so and there was another group that came about in the late seventies, um, led by Isabel Wade, who was a PhD student from Berkeley, from San Francisco, and Paul Cobb, um, who was a leader of um, redevelopment, renewal monies. Um, he was he was from West Oakland, and they created a new project. But because of the history of people, you know not lighting tree plantings that were done by outsiders, they had to kind of design a different program to engage the community, to make people feel identified with these trees. So during that time, there's black power movement, um, which means, you know, people, I mean, there's a lot of different versions of black power, but basically the idea is that the community, black people, people within the community, black people within the community actually manage the resources and decide their, they determine the direction of their community. And so that's the kind of basic ideas about black power. And the Black Panthers were proponents of the black, black power movement. They were part of, they were major activists and it started in Western North Open. And also a strong identity with African history, things like that. So what they ended up doing, Oakland Tree Task Force, emerged between black power values and environmental stewardship values. And they created what they call the black forest. Basically, they only planted trees that had black in them. That had the name black, or have some kind of African history, or some identification with African Americans historically. So that's what they did. They planted what they call the black forest in this year. It was only a pilot program, lasted about a year and a half. So that's what they did. They created the black forest. And, they plant, and none of these, a lot of these trees are from the continent of Africa. But they had black in them, or had African in the name. So, so they made it So basically, to make the long story short, um, they they started going into the going into schools, engaging community members, um, students, and people went gangbusters on this. They loved the black forest. The people would come out. They'd have barbecues and plant trees. They had black forest rangers, which are youth and young adults that are actually caring, paid to care for these trees, watering them. So these trees were very well taken care of for many years. Um, so they was a very successful program. But one of the things really think, so since I can't go into the next project, I'll just um, kind of try to conclude on this project. Uh, oh, okay, well, anyway, so 
um, open tree task force, so that's what they pioneered in grassroots greening, um, one of the first grassroots greening in the country, and it's a very successful project because of relevancy and community engagement. Um, there's another group that came after um, Open Tree Task Force and continued the same kind of idea, but they didn't plant the black forest, but they planted all types of species, but with the same kind of um, community engagement pro um, process. Um, yeah, okay, so anyway, next is 1958 and 2010. Um, Urban Relief versus West Coast and Green Initiatives. And these two groups, I'm actually going to place in contention because they happen at the same time. So I work with Urban Relief, started by Kimba Shakur, um, African-American mother from, um, from Oakland area. And she started planting trees for environmental um, rehabilitation of the area. Um, before Oakland streets looked like this, and they, she wanted Oakland streets to look like a street in Berkeley. That's what she wanted and many other people. So West Oakland Green Initiative, they started a greening project as well, but they were based from the West Oakland Commerce Association. That's where they started. So their businessmen, actually, and women, but mostly men, wanted to do a lot of this, green the area. So they started with <coughs> revitalizing Romandi Park in West Oakland. A great project. They raised millions of dollars to do this, and was very successful. Second project was to reforest West Oakland. They wanted to plant trees everywhere. Urban and Relief work, well, we tried to work together for a while. Um, but they tried to work together because they're from different um, cultural groups, um, culture in regard to education, um, um, place of origin, and um, money, access to money. But they were trying to work together because it would have been great if they worked together. And I tried to help them work together. But, you know, eventually, you know, you have to go run for cover. <laughs> so eventually, Urban Relief and Work just couldn't work together. They just fought. Their ideas about things were completely different. I think the leader of West Oak, um, um, Urban Relief, Kemba Shakur, and the leader of Woki, Tom McCoy, they just were used to being the dominant person. And those two dominant personalities couldn't get together. Um, so anyway, but what ends up happening is, this goes on for years and years and years, these fights and battles. And um, so to make it real quick, um, then people start getting separated based on race, based on ethnicity, based on um, authenticity to the community, um, and versus live in Berkeley, rich white guy, um, may own property in West Oakland, but do you care about West Oakland kind of thing? So it became very contentious. Um, and what ended up happening is Wolgie's demise um, they're barely in existence now. Um, it's because they came up with a reforestation plan, which is great. Everybody, all Urban Forest Network and Open wanted this plan. But the problem was it had no community engagement component. They weren't going to hire from the community. They gave tens, tens of thousands of dollars to Green West Oakland and had spent all this money to do this prop plan and had not one page on social issues related to West Oakland, um, how to hire, engage the community, um, if they were going to hire people from the community, stuff like that. So people came out. People came out in droves when they launched this plan. Um, was that it? Okay. Huh? Okay. So anyway, so Wogi's demise was their good, big plan. But what ended up right their demise is because they didn't have a community engagement component. And so, in, in a community that's very activist and want to be involved in what goes on in their streets, 
They went, they went to city council meetings, they went to public assemblies, and fought against Wolby's plan. And it basically never saw the light of day because people organized against it. Um, yeah, so an urban relief was a con the complete opposite of that. Very community engaged and things like that. So, so yeah. Okay, that's it. Yes, I, I work with another consultant. I work on consulting. Yes, Any other questions? Do silver lions like primarily donations and and fundraisers or how, how where's the money coming?